So I've learned something about our humanity. Uh, It is difficult for some and maybe even impossible for others to honor someone when they don't believe in them. Isn't it? It's hard to honor someone when you don't believe in them. Uh, When you don't believe in a politician, it's hard to honor them. It's difficult for some and actually impossible for others to honor that politician. Uh, when you, uh, when a student doesn't, uh, or, or a parent even for that matter, doesn't honor or doesn't believe in a, uh, a teacher or an administrator at the school, it is difficult for that student or that teacher to honor that, I mean, or difficult for that parent or that student to honor that teacher or that uh, administrator. When a teenager doesn't believe in their parent or, uh, or an authority figure in their life, it is difficult and for some even impossible for them to honor their parent or that authority figure. And for us, when an employee or, a, or maybe you as an employee or someone you know as an employee um, doesn't believe in the boss or doesn't believe in the, the, the company, the owner of the company, it's hard to honor the boss or honor the owner of the company. And this is also why many people today have a hard time honoring God. Think about it. If someone does believe that God is who he says he is, and if someone believes that, then they're going to believe in his word, and then they're going to honor him and therefore honor his word. However, people have a hard time honoring God Because they truly don't believe in him and then they don't believe in his word. Now, that may not be true for you, but it's likely true for someone close to you. And we're going to talk more about that in a moment. Uh, My name is Casey and it is such an honor and a privilege to be together with you in the room. For everyone that's watching online, we are honored and privileged to share this time together with you. For those of you who are new with us in the room, we have a gift for you and right after service, we'd love to give that gift to you. If you'll make your way across our lobby after the service there into our welcome center, uh, a host will be there and they would love to give you a gift for being with us uh, this morning. They also would love to, in that time, share with you four things about who we are as West Side. It will take less than four minutes of your time. Also, for those of you that are watching online and you're new with us, we have a gift for you. They're posting a link to a Connect card right now. If you'll take a moment, fill that Connect card out, and we will send you a gift for being with us today. Now, Westside, will you help me welcome everyone that's online and those that are new with us in the room? Will you do that with me? Yeah. We are in the third installment of this series. We are entitling a Daniel Generation. Uh, over the last several weeks, if you've missed any of these, I encourage you to catch up on the app or on our website. We are in this series and we're observing the th- three uh, Hebrew boys and Daniel. So four young men in this story that we have, more than a story, this inspired book of pro- uh, of, uh, that we have is the Old Testament prophet 
called Daniel. And in this story, we have been observing the faith of these four Israelite men who are exiles living in a culture who was violently resisting the God they worshipped. And here's a serious big idea that they have modeled for us and we are learning to do. Live a faith that stands out in a culture shutting God out. Live a faith that stands out in a culture shutting God out. As we have been learning, we've been learning that these men, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, their Hebrew names, uh, they, they were educated in the Babylonian literature. They were also educated and understood the Babylonian culture. However, just because one is trained, and just note this, because one is trained by culture and maybe taught in the culture that it's in, does not mean one has to abandon their faith. And we see that in the story of Daniel. That did not mean that they abandoned their faith or they abandoned God in that time. Their faith was resilient because their faith was in the God of the Hebrews, which is the God of the Bible, who Jesus reveals to us as the only true God. These four Hebrews had an anchor of faith in the face of the cultural wave of opposition to their God. They model for you and I how to live a faith, a faith in God that stands out in a culture shutting God out. And today I want you to see a little bit of this cultural opposition that these four Hebrew men face. And it's subtly brought into this in the opening uh, words of this Old Testament prophet book that we have called Daniel. In the opening words of Daniel, we learned that earlier that they were selected. These four men were selected from the exiles of Israel. And they were selected to be trained in the culture, the language, and the literature of the Babylonian uh, nation. And to served the king in his official court, in King Nebuchadnezzar's court. Then we read in Daniel 1 verse 7 this, the chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Isn't it interesting that for those of us that grew up in church, we know their Babylonian names and we have forgotten or didn't even pay attention to their Hebrew names. We know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I really knew them because I had a brother named Chad. And my parents would go, Chadrach. <laughs> I don't think they called me Casey Rack, but they said, Chadrach, and to bed we go. You know, and so, um, and it's not to bed we go, it is Abednego. Chad, I love you if by chance you're watching. Now, it was common for a foreigner in that day and age to receive a new name. It was common if the, the overpowering nation would assimilate and, and do this to assimilate the other country and the people of the country into their culture, into them. And this is part of that purpose. See, the new Babylonian names that the chief officials give Hananiah, Daniel, Mishael, and Azariah were likely a slight jab to mock the Hebrew God and force them, force these Hebrews to assimilate into the culture of Babylon. Now to understand this, you need to know something about Babylon. Babylon was a polytheistic culture that worshipped many gods. Shadrach, therefore, and Belshazzar, Meshach, and Abednego, Abednego were names likely tied to one of the many Babylonian deities. 
Now we need to see this in contrast, uh, the contrast of these two cultures, a Hebrew culture and a Babylonian culture. And a polytheistic where there's many gods, in the culture of polytheism where many gods and idols were represented. These Hebrews, these four Hebrews and the Hebrew nation were different than any other culture. They were different because they were one of the only cultures, if not the only culture that we know about, who was monotheistic. They had one God. They stood out just because they had one God. See, Babylonians have many God, not just one God. And the Hebrews were different. They stood out. See, the Hebrews only worshipped one God who described himself as the only true God. God revealed himself to Abraham. Abraham, and he reveals himself to Abram, calls him out, reveals himself as Yahweh. Yahweh would then reveal himself to Abraham, tell Abraham and Sarah that you're going to have a son. They have a son named Isaac. Isaac then has a son named Jacob. God, Yahweh, becomes the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob goes into Egypt after Joseph is born, and Joseph preserves the whole lineage of Israel through a, a, a radical famine. That wipes out the land. But because of his leadership in this nation of Egypt, the family of Jacob grows and becomes a nation. Then the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would become the God of Moses. After Israel would be slaves in Israel for four, in Egypt for 400 plus years, God would reveal himself to Moses, a Hebrew living in the, the court of the, the king, in the household of the king. And God would prove his claim that he is their God by miraculously proving his power over the Egyptians' gods through the plagues. And in one final act, a miracle act, he would then deliver the nation of Israel out of Egypt and save them from the tyranny of slavery in Egypt. After that exodus, God would inspire Moses to pass on to the nation of Israel this message. You... We're shown these things so that you might know that the Lord is God. Besides Him, there is no other. If you got your notes, I want you to underline that, circle that, highlight that, however you want to make that stand out. <laughs> know that the Lord is God. Besides Him, there is no other. This is what Moses would teach to Israel. And this is what they would, through their oral traditions, pass down from generations to generations. Know that the Lord is God. Beside him there is no other. And then he would say in verse 36, From heaven he made you hear his voice to discipline you. On earth he showed you his great fire, and you heard his words from out of the fire. Because he loved your ancestors and chose their descendants after them, he brought you out of Egypt by his presence and his great strength. To drive out before you nations greater and stronger than you, and to bring you into their land to give it to you for your inheritance as it is today. And then in verse 39. Acknowledge. Can you circle that, highlight that? Acknowledge. And highlight this. Take to heart. Acknowledge and take to heart. This day, look at this. That the Lord is God in heaven above and on earth below. There is no other. Keep his decrees and commands. 
which I am giving you today so that it may go well with you and your children after you and that you may live long in the land the Lord your God gives you for all, uh, for all time. Acknowledge and take to heart. Acknowledge. Acknowledge what? That the Lord is God. Know it. Don't just know it. Speak it. Live it. Tell it. Live like the Lord is God. And the way we do that is we keep his commands. But don't just know it. Take it to heart. You know, there's something different between knowing something intellectually and then just believing something in our heart. There is a difference between what we know up here and then what we believe in here. See, don't just know it. Moses says, take it to heart. Believe it deep within you that there is no other God but the Lord God who is in heaven above and also here with us on the earth below. And the story of the Old Testament is one where generations of Israel would believe in God and then honor God by obeying his commandments and his teachings. God would then cause life to go well for them. There would be generations of Israel who things would go well for them and when, because they believed in God. And when they believed in God, they would obey God and then God would allow things go well. Then there would be generations of Israel who would not believe in God. And they would not honor him by not keeping his commands or not obeying his word. And ultimately, this is the reason that these Daniel, this Dan, Daniel and these three other men are in exile in Babylon because they were sent into exile, even though Jeremiah, a prophet that preceded them, gave them many different warnings to the nation of Israel. To don't go this path. Repent, turn, believe in God, turn back to his covenant, turn back to his ways. But they would not. And so they, Daniel, Azariah, Hananiah, and Mishael are now with all of Israel in exile in Babylon. Not because Babylon's gods were greater. Not because Babylon's gods, gods were more powerful than the God of the Hebrews, the God of the Bible, Yahweh himself, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not because that God, their gods were more powerful, but because they did not believe. And therefore they did not honor God. See, when you believe in God, you will honor God and you will honor his word. And when you believe, you will keep his decrees and commands because you honor him. Now, it is common to question this. It's common to be skeptical of this. And maybe you're here today and you might be skeptical. Why should you even uh, believe in the God of all? In fact, you might even ask this question that's commonly asked. And, and, and actually, we all need to wrestle with this question. What evidence do we have? What evidence can you give? What evidence do we have to believe this God of the Hebrews, a.k.a. the God of the Bible, is the true God? What is the evidence? This is the one question our culture asks. This is, this is the one question that, that um, those who are in, in this, uh, this worldview that is not a biblical worldview ask. What is the evidence to the God? Where is the evidence of this God? What is the evidence of the God of the Bible? And maybe this is where you or someone close to you is stuck in your faith. Because I can't believe in it if I don't have the evidence for it. And for the nation of Israel, the exodus was the proof that was needed. Their exodus from Egypt was the evidence to them that God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of this Hebrew people was the only true God. That's how they knew 
that there was no other God but him. And for the people after the first century, the people that lived in the first century, thousands of years later, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the evidence to validate that Jesus Christ's claim is who he said he is. It validates his claim that he is the only God. He is the God of the Bible. He is the God of the Hebrew people. He is the one. He, he is the God who revealed himself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he is the only way, the only truth, and his He is the only life. And to have an unshakable faith in the only true God, we need to know the reason for our faith. And this is so important to having an unshakable faith. It's so important to having an unshakable foundation for our faith. And parents, I want you to listen into this. In fact, I want you to lean in on this. Parents, you need to listen to this real quick. This is crucial to the faith of the next generation that's living in your home. Grandparents, you need to understand this for the generation of faith that your heart breaks for. Teenagers, you need to listen in on this. If you're skeptical, you've got friends who are skeptical of the Christian faith. And skeptics, I ask you to be open to something I'm about ready to say. Our faith in the God of the Bible is not because of the Bible. Our faith is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is the only reason we have the Bible. Our faith in the God of the Bible is not in the Bible. Our faith in the God of the Bible is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our faith is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is the one reason, the only reason, We have the Bible. We need to process this. The foundation of your faith is is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The foundation of the Christian church, the foundation of the Christians, is the the foundation of our faith is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The foundation of our faith is not the Bible. But the one event in history that is the only reason we have the Bible, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is so important for us to understand and it's so important for us to teach the next generation so the faith of the next generation who can Google anything and find a misrepresentation and a misquote of anything in the Bible. All they have to do is Google something. And we need to teach them what is the foundation for our faith. See, we don't believe in the God of the Bible because of just the Bible. We believe in the God of the Bible because Jesus Christ was killed. He then, three days later, came back to life. And we don't just believe it because someone said it. We believe it because people were eyewitnesses to it. The evidence is there. Jesus Christ's resurrection from the dead is the only reason that we have this amazing collection of books that are we claim to be the inspired word of God written by over 40 by over by written by 40 people over a period of 1500 years and they tell us one large story one large narrative that that, that of a God who longs for us to believe in him so we can have life in him as we honor him The resurrection of Jesus is the anchor truth. It's the anchor tenet 
That is the foundation that, of the faith that our kids need to know. And it's the anchor tenet and the foundation for the faith that we need to have. And our children need to grow up learning so that they can believe and trust in the God of the Bible. In our home, when Cassie and I are reading or listening to a story from the Old Testament and we come across one of these stories like the Exodus or like Jonah and the whale that is often criticized and, and therefore it's often criticized and critiqued and, and people then say, well, I don't know if I can believe that. If I can't believe that, I can't. What in the Bible can I believe? And so when we come to these stories and in our discussions at the dinner tables where most of these happen, we'll, we'll talk and we come across a debated miracle. We'll say something like, you know, many people don't believe that this is even possible. Or they don't believe that this even happened. But can I tell you why we believe this happened? We believe it happened because of the resurrection of Jesus. We believe that the resurrection of Jesus is the proof that Jesus is God is who he said he is and his words are truth and Jesus would validate Moses and Jesus would celebrate a Passover which was a part of this history that validated that event and Jesus would talk about Jonah and Jesus would talk about that. And we believe in that because of the resurrection. We believe those stories in that that people in are skeptical of. We believe those are true because of the resurrection of Jesus. Because Jesus believed those stories were true. I want my kids to have their faith in the unshakable truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ so their faith will be unshakable when someone comes and questions the stories of the Old Testament or someone gives a good argument for them not to believe that something happened. I want them to have the, know, have the understanding and the knowledge of what happened that makes us believe in this. I want your kids and my kids to know why we can trust the New Testament scriptures and the Old Testament scriptures as God's inspired word. And I want you to know why you can trust these writings. See, we trust the New Testament scriptures. You can trust the New Testament scriptures are truth because they were written by apostles who saw a resurrected Jesus or the author was a close connection to an apostle of Jesus. You need to understand how we got this New Testament. The writings of this we trust are the new, uh, that we call the New Testament were written by uh, apostles because the apostles who were eyewitnesses to Jesus' resurrection wrote these letters and they wrote these gospels. It was because of the res resurrection of Jesus Christ that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John would say we have to write an account of the things not only we saw that was Ma Matthew and John. They had to write an account of that. Mark and Luke said this story is so incredible and so unbelievable. It is unbelievable. We got to let the know world know why we believe in it. It's because Jesus came back to life. And they were close connections to Peter and Paul. Mark and, and, and Luke were close traveling companions. Peter and Paul who were eyewitnesses to a resurrected Jesus. The apostle Paul would be blinded by a resurrected Jesus while he was in pursuit to persecute the church, the Christians of Jesus. He encounters a resurrected Jesus. And then Jesus gives Paul a mission after Paul confesses his faith in Jesus as his Lord. <laughs> and therefore, 
Paul becomes this, this apostle of the good news and Jesus sends Paul out to share the good news with the world. So Paul plants churches like, like, like we planted this church. Paul would plant churches all over the, the Greek-speaking world and he would write letters of follow-up to them referencing the teachings of Jesus and referencing how Jesus would be connected to this Old Testament story. Those letters would be copied and the letters of the epistles and the gospels would be copied and circulated hundreds of times over and the accuracy of what they are is unbelievable. Unlike any other document in time. All because of a resurrection. Because if we wouldn't have the resurrection, we would not have Matthew. He would not want to write about this. He was scared about this before the resurrection. We wouldn't have John, not Mark, or, or Luke's account because the this, this disciples would have abandoned their faith because Jesus would have been a liar. You don't give your life for a liar. James and Jude, the half-brothers of Jesus, think about this. They were the half-brothers of Jesus. They grew up in Jesus with Jesus in his home. And they wrote letters that, that, and because they had declared Jesus as their Lord, not just their brother. Think about that. It's because of the resurrection of Jesus that they believed Jesus was their God. Not just some lunatic lying brother. And when you trust the New Testament as God's word, because that's what the New Testament church, the New Testament Christians, they saw these writings as God's inspired words to let them know how to follow Jesus. And when you believe that and you see the New Testament God's word, then you're going to believe in and therefore honor the Old Testament as God's word. See, we trust in the Old Testament scriptures, are, they are truth because Jesus Christ's teachings reference the Torah, the prophetic writings, including Daniel, the historic writings and the poetic writings confirming their truth and inspiration. Jesus would reference the, these. The apostles would reference these Hebrew scriptures in their writing to, connecting the storyline of Jesus as the one who reveals the God of the Old Testament to the world. Because of Jesus Christ's resurrection. And Jesus references to these texts and the apostles references to these texts. We trust these texts to be truth. Inspired by God given by God for us. And to honor God is to honor His Word. And that's what a Daniel generation does. See, a Daniel generation has an unshakable faith that is anchored in the resurrection of Jesus. It is therefore unwavering in its faithfulness to honor God in everything it thinks, says, and does. See, when you believe in God, you will honor God and you will honor God's word. That's what unshakable faith is. That's what, means, what it means to be faithful. That you are faithful to God and faithful to his word. Unshakable faith is revealed in our unwavering faithfulness to our honor him. And the way we honor him is we honor his word. We follow and are faithful to his word. And we're faithful to follow God's word by obeying it. That's what faithfulness is. Not just faithful to say something. Faithful to live something. Faithful to believe in God, yes. But believing in God 
is followed through when we honor him. Because we don't honor those we do not believe in. Faithfulness to God is what honors him above all else. And to have an unshakable faith in God is to be faithful to honor God in everything you think and everything you say and everything you do. And when your faith is anchored in Jesus and that he is the full revelation of God, of the God of the Bible, the God of the Hebrews, and Jesus is the full revelation of the God we read about in Scripture, you will live your life in a way that honors him and his word. Now, Daniel didn't have the resurrection of Jesus Christ's trust. Daniel, he trusted in the God of his ancestors because of the many ways God revealed himself to the nation of Israel. And it was because how God revealed himself to Israel that we have the Hebrew scriptures today. Hebrew scriptures that were something that Daniel was devoted to. And it was because of Daniel's unshakable faith in God that he would be faithful to honor God in everything he would think, say, and do. Even though the culture around him believed in many gods and lived as if there were many gods, Daniel was devoted to honor the only God. And we read this in Daniel 1 verse 8. It says, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Did you catch that? Daniel resolved. Maybe you need to highlight that word. He had a resolute faith. Bold move by an exile, by the way. A bold move. I mean, to ask for permission to not do this could have been equal to disloyalty to the king and even treason to the nation. But Daniel knew that to eat the food would defile himself because those foods were likely sacrificed and were offered as a sacrifice to one of the many Babylonian deities. But Daniel knew something. He knew something that to believe in God, he must honor God above all else. And that's the teaching big idea I want to leave you with because that's what a Daniel generation does. See, a Daniel generation honors God above all all else after all you don't honor someone you don't believe in and when you believe in the God of the Bible because of the resurrection of Jesus you will honor the God of the Bible and you will honor the Bible as God's word above all else And when we believe this, when you believe that God is who he says he is, and you believe in that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ alone, you will then believe in his word and you will live your life in a way that honors him and God, and you will live your life in a way that God wants to be honored. See, honoring God above all else is our motivation to live a holy life set apart for God. This is the reason 
We want to live a holy life because we want to honor God. Honoring God is my motivation and it should be our motivation to live the life that honors God. This is why we live in the way we live. This is why we follow the teachings of Jesus. This is why we follow the command that, 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 he, that Scripture reveals to us. Because we want to live a life that is devoted. We are resolved to honor Him because we are resolute in our faith that He is the only God. And we believe that because of the resurrection. Of Jesus. See, a resilient, unshakable faith empowers you to remain holy in a culture resisting God. This is what allows you to remain holy and not want to adapt to a culture or be pulled into a culture. See, when it's easy to fit in or indulge yourself in the cultural current, or maybe it's easy because, hey, culture's doing this, then it gives me an excuse to do this because I like to do this, but I know it doesn't honor God when I do this. It's my faith in who God is. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, that, and, and I now have an understanding of who He is. That's why I seek to honor Him and honor His Word in everything I think, say, and do. This is exactly what Daniel did. Look with me in verse 9. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion. Look at that. God caused the chief official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official tells Daniel... I'm afraid. I'm skeptical of this. (laughs) I'm afraid, my lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink, why should he see you looking worse than the other men your age? The king would have then have my head because of you. Now, I just want to make a point here. Um, And I don't want to belay this, but I need to say this. Daniel doesn't go in and says, hey, what you're doing is so wrong. You need to have everybody in this room obey the law. He just says, chief official, work We believe in God of the Bible. And we don't want to defile ourselves before the king. Can we have this permission to do this? See the difference? Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Ezariah. Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. Look for the evidence yourself. So he agreed to this and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the other younger men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Instead, See, Daniel and the others honored God by holding to the Hebrew law and not defiling themselves with the meat likely sacrificed to one of the many idols in Babylon. And what happened? God honored Daniel and the three Hebrew men by allowing the court official to show favor and compassion on them. Christ follower, Christian Christian church in Leavenworth and Leavenworth County and in the world. Know this. God honors those who honor him and his word. Young person, look at me. Trust this, not because of my words, but because of Jesus and his resurrection. God honors those who honor him and his word. 
Jesus would validate this over and over again in his teachings. He would teach us. In John 12, 26, he would say, anyone who serves me, I will honor. This is his words. James, the half-brother of Jesus, would say a similar thing. He would say, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Peter, who made so many mistakes that he makes you and I look like good people sometimes. He would say this, submit yourself to the Lord. (laughs) Submit yourselves before God, which is what it means to honor him. Submit yourself to him. And he will lift you up. Because God honors those who honor him and his word. One day, you and I need to know this. One day when our life is over. And your time on this world, in this world expires. For those of us who have confessed Jesus as our Lord. Honoring him and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. Romans 10 9. Paul says this in Romans 10 9. You will be saved. And one day Jesus will look at you because of your faith in him your devotion to Him, your submission to Him as your Lord, your confession to Him as your Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead and He is who He said He is. He's going to look at you and say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Because God honors those who honor Him. Those who honor God and His Word above all else, they are the ones who will stand out. They are the ones who shine out in a culture shutting God out. This is what the Christians of today need to be. This is what the Christian church, not just here, everywhere around the world, this is what we need to be devoted to. We need to be so resolute in our faith that we live our lives in a way that honors Him above all else and at all costs. And though we may be few, we will be salt and we will be light and we will have a great influence on those around us and they will then glorify God when we honor Him above all else. That's when we stand out. That's when we shine out. And that's when what we do because we honor God. Because we believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus would say, blessed are you. Another way to say happy are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. What's Jesus saying? Blessed are those who honor me above all else and at all costs. Because because God will honor you when you honor him. And then he goes on to say right after that, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your 
good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Be salt. May the life you live be flavored to the people around you that's something different in a world shutting God out. And be light. In a world of darkness, the way you live your life, the way you live your life will stand out and it will give light. It will point the way to the only God who is above all. And the way you live in a way that honors Him, when you live your, way in a way, when you live your life in a way that honors Him above all else, you will glorify God and people will see God in you. And when no one else is honoring God, you are light when you are uh, honoring Him and His Word above all else. And when you honor God and His Word, living in obedience to Jesus' teachings because you believe in the resurrection of Jesus and you believe He is your Lord and you follow His command to love one another as He has loved you. And when you love one another here and you love one another the way God has loved you, you will do good for other, others the way God did good for you. See, we honor and glorify God by doing what is good by God. Not good by a culture, not good by what your standard is, but when we do what is good by God and then good for others because of one thing alone, the good news of Jesus Christ. This is why we honor God above all else. This is why we honor Him in everything we think, say, and do. So I challenge you, live a faith that stands out in a culture shutting God out. Honor God above all else, and you will shine out. And that's what I want, to, I want you to pray for one another. I want to ask you to stand right now. If you're new with us, we do this often. We ask one another to pray with each other. And this is what I want you to do. They're putting a prayer up right here. It says, Father, help my friend believe in Jesus Christ's resurrection. And have the courage to honor you in all he or she thinks, says, or does. And I want you to pray this. And maybe you need to have someone pray this for you. You need to receive this prayer today because maybe you have not been living in a, your life in a way that honors him. And today as we sing together, you can recommit your life to live in a way that honors him above all. So will you take one, a moment and pray with one another? And then we're going to sing and worship together as we close.